0: Welcome to Tower Talks, brought to you by Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. My name is Aaron, and I could not be happier to be the one who gets to bring you this new podcast offering from Washington National Cathedral, especially while the building is closed and we are all hopefully staying home and being safe in response to the coronavirus. Through this podcast, we're hoping to connect you, the listener, with the in-house cathedral community, from docents and volunteers to staff to artists who've worked on the building and everyone in between. We'll learn more about who they are, what they do, and what makes the cathedral such a special place, especially for the people most connected to the building and its programs. If you've ever been to visit the cathedral for a tour, you've probably met our first guest walking around out front. Uh, Andy Bittner has been a cathedral docent and staff member, greeting visitors, giving tours, and answering questions for well over a decade. Here's what Andy had to share on Tower Talks. to start. I know you very well, obviously. We work together a lot, but for those who don't know you, who are you, where do you come from, and what do you do at the cathedral?
1: I'm Andy Bittner, and I come from, well, I was born in Washington, D.C., but I'm from Alney, Maryland, and at the cathedral, they call me the hospitality associate. It's basically like concierging the front hall, and then in season, I greet the group buses arriving uh, to the Cathedral.
0: How long have you been doing that work? Like how long have you been with the cathedral?
1: I have been, this year will mark my 20th anniversary from when I began volunteering and I've been an employee for 17 years. But my interest in the cathedral goes all the way back to my childhood.
0: Was that the first time you visited the cathedral?
1: I actually don't have a recollection Of the first time I visited the cathedral, which is what is interesting about being a greeter and dealing with people coming in for the first time, there's something vicarious about it for me. My parents brought me to the cathedral as a very small child, and I have two early childhood memories that I have been able to triangulate at being at the ages of three and four.
0: Okay, so really young.
1: Really, really young. My father was a drummer in the bagpipe band that the cathedral uses for services, including a bagpipe band. Oh. Um, so there was an annual service. There still is an annual service. It will not happen this year called the Kirken of the Tartan or the Kirken of the Tartan, which is the blessing of the Scottish clans in America. And in my family, that event as a band event on the annual calendar was a real big family day for us. And me being a little boy, Washington National Cathedral under construction was a castle. And what little boy wouldn't be interested in a castle under construction?
0: Makes sense to me. How would you describe the difference between how you experienced the cathedral as a child versus how you grew into it as an adult?
1: Wow, that's an interesting question, because I think I and other children experience the cathedral at a level that adults who only have the adult experience never will. Sure, adults appreciate that it's beautiful and it's amazing, um, but it's absolutely fantastic to a child. So actually, I think I grew out of that, which is in my opinion, the most important way one can experience Washington National Cathedral.
0: So when you're working with students and on a tour with a student, what are your favorite questions to get from those kids who are experiencing it for the first time?
1: My favorite questions to get? Um, There's a long list of questions I will get. When was it built? Um, Questions.
0: Maybe a better question is, what are your favorite things to point out to a first-time student visitor?
1: And that ties together perfectly, actually, because the question I appreciate, the questions I appreciate, are the ones that indicate that the student is paying very close attention, even to the tour or to the building itself. My very favorite question, and this is super fine point, but in the days when we sit our groups in the nave, in those days, in the nave there are sculpture in a certain area down the left side that are not matched on the right side. And my favorite question I can get from a student is, hey, why are there sculpture on that side and not on that side? The reason I like that question is the architect did it as a deliberate asymmetry just so it would be seen. And I say, so you've noticed, see, it works. And very often, as a greeter out front dealing with the buses, I make a point to talk about things out front that students otherwise wouldn't notice. For me, one of the prevailing realities of the building is that it is the most intensely concentrated 20th century handcraft on the face of the planet. And one of the things I love to point out to the groups out front, it's funny, I'll offer it to them, I offer a warning in advance, I say, it'll hurt a little at first, but you'll get over it. And then I point out the fact that on any piece of flat wall, anywhere in Washington National Cathedral, you will never see the rhythmic pattern in the line in between the stones, like a, like a brick pattern. It's a randomized mortar joint. It indicates that every single stone in the building had a number and was custom made. And it blows the minds of eighth graders. The handcraftedness is the thing I like to point out most.
0: People might not realize this, but you actually wrote a book on the cathedral called Building Washington National Cathedral that is available in our gift shop. What was something oh, you yeah. learned in that writing process about the building of the cathedral that really surprised or intrigued you?
1: Hmm. That's a very good question. I'm not sure anything surprised or intrigued me <laughs> <laughs> because the very process of writing the book involved, since it is a Arcadia Publishing Images of America photo centric book was selecting photographs of the construction process and the truth of the matter is as i collected those photographs to make things as quick as possible i chose photographs that i knew what was happening in the photograph um it's funny because i actually collected those photographs a half hour at a time at Mm -hmm. lunch
0: yeah
1: while i was bus greeting and and that's an interesting nothing that book, honestly, was fairly simple for me because of the way I did it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't surprise myself. But then it's a good question. I want there to be something. Yeah. Um,
0: Maybe the question is, um, because there's no way to know everything there is to know about the cathedral, right? And we're always all learning something new. What's something that you learned recently about the cathedral that you thought was really interesting that you hadn't known before?
1: Recently? Um I am constantly learning things about spatial relationships in the architecture from the Lego project. Mm. And looking at the model, because the the designer of the model is in some ways looking at the building more closely than I am. And so I'm actually learning things from the model. An example would be once we had NAVE. Flooring in the Lego model, if you look from the front door down the nave at floor level, you see that the ceiling of Bethlehem Chapel downstairs is actually higher than the nave floor. And, and all of a sudden, pieces click into place, and I'm like, oh, there's three steps up from the nave into the choir. And so actually, there's a spatial relationship there that hadn't occurred to me that I picked up from looking at the Lego model. I am constantly finding, as you know, I am um, a fan. He's my hero, the man who was the architect of the building, Philip Broman. And one of the things I realized that's constantly re-dawning on me is that nothing in the building lines up. We talked about the mortar joint not lining up, but that's just a surface example. Here's one super fine point. If you stand looking in the door where the Lego model is at the end of the nave, and you have an arch over that door from the nave, and you have a window over that door that has an arch, the arch of the door is not centered on the arch of the window. And it's only out by about an inch. It's deliberate. It's drawn that way. It creates an organic nature in the building that is constantly revealing itself.
0: One of my favorite sort of asymmetries that got pointed out to me very early on when I was in the nave and taking a tour and learning the space was about looking down the length of the nave from the high altar and how it curves downward. So that way it doesn't sort of tunnel vision when you're looking down the length of the whole nave. And I love that there are so many little asymmetries and so many little tricks of the eye that go into the building that people don't necessarily know about at first glance or don't know to look for without being told about them. I think it's really fascinating that that is an architectural choice that really influences the way that we see the cathedral and the way we experience it.
1: Yes, and for me, it's about wrapping my mind around the one mind that I know designed most of it, at least at the west end of the building. Another one that was super fascinating to me, and again, it's a super fine point. In the nave, in the middle row of windows, in the arcade row of windows, the wall is thick, And so the window itself has an arch, and the inner aspect of the wall has an arch. And I was looking at it obliquely one time, and I saw that the the arch on the inner aspect of the wall with molding on it was lower than the arch at the top of the window. Now, here's the trigger point. I see something. It's interesting. But then it's about being into the mind of the architect because I decided to try to figure out where in space those two arches visually line up because the architect knows you're looking at it from down low. And so I started backing up and they line up perfectly when you're standing on the center line of the center aisle. And he designed them that way and furthermore, now I'm reading into his mind. But what I realize is that when the molding of the arch on the inner aspect lines up with the molding over the window, it eliminates the depth of the wall. All of a sudden, it looks like one plane. So it's a contrivance that just blows my mind. And and the building I I've seen a lot of these things, and I know I'm not scratching the surface.
0: It's fascinating to me, particularly, I mean, you've been here a very long time, and you've been part of the cathedral community for a very long time. I am very new to the cathedral community, especially by comparison, um, only about a year and a half at this point. So learning about all of these things from someone like you has been really eye-opening in terms of the intricacies that go into not only the architecture, but every little detail of the space. And there's always something to learn, which I think is really cool, particularly when you don't necessarily know these things going into it, when you just sort of experience it, and then you get look a little closer. It's like one of those, um, not not where's Waldo, but the, the little sort of, you know, looking for details, photos and books and things like that.
1: Yeah, so where you can just keep digging in and digging in and digging in, and there's always more. It's interesting, I was reading, about Mr. Froman, where he was quoted as saying something to the effect of, I intentionally tried to include something of the infinite in every church I designed. There is simply more to know in detail than any human being could absorb in a lifetime. Therefore, the building will approximate for every person walking into it, the infinite, no matter how many times they walk in you can't get it all and i wonder if those two the roman quote and what i've recognized in terms of volume of information ever occurred to him at the same time um yeah and then there's the time machine
0: the time machine you say
1: (laughs) when the building was finished In 1990, how long do you think it will last was the prevailing question. So they wired the building up electronically to watch it move for 10 years, 24 hours a day, 10 years motion. It would show when the swinging bells were ringing in the tower. It would show when uh, every day the south transept facade leans towards the sun and back at night so they took 10 years motion data and they gave it to a man named robert mark who was the world's leading authority on gothic structure and when professor mark came back he said as long as earthquakes or mankind don't knock this building down this building will stand without further reinforcement for the better part of next two millennia wow time machine. It instantly makes the building the odds-on favorite to be the last entirely 20th century building on the planet. And so all of a sudden, you have every reason to imagine Washington National Cathedral is the most likely time capsule of the 20th century. And so having spent a childhood being aware of and somewhat studying the ancient ones, I became very aware of how we look at them, the family of ancients in Europe that are currently time-capsuling medieval Europe for us. And, and the time machine is to imagine myself a historian 800 years out, whatever else that means, looking back at Washington National Cathedral the way I know we look back at the ancient ones. And... and it's a surreal experience.
0: Absolutely. And the idea not only of the cathedral as a time capsule in terms of its very existence but also the stories of the cathedral as part of that history. The people and the really the people who have been connected with it throughout its existence, I think have made a huge part of that story so human and so you know connected to the soul of the building. Do you have any favorite stories about your your time at the cathedral just with the people there or you know the visitors or other staff or anything like that that you can share?
1: I do. I do. And and it's about being a member of that family of ancients in Europe. What you're referring to is something that I refer to as the ministry of the hands. The people that put the building there. I've walked into the building with professing atheists and suggested to them that whether they believe in god or not if they can walk in and not feel at some gut level that the people who built it believed in god then we could have a second conversation but i've never had that conversation people walk in and they feel it which leads me to the story fairly recent Probably last fall, we had a family visiting from England. I think it was a mother, father, and probably early 20s, son and daughter, or son and wife. or But it, four people, and they, and they showed up before we were open, and I got to talking to them because I love talking to people from England. And I became aware that there was a fifth member of the group who, who hadn't come that morning. Grandma. And grandma stayed at the hotel because she doesn't like these places. She thinks they're dark and cold and stuffy. And so she just decided she was going to stay back at the hotel. And the morning progressed. I went about greeting buses. Uh, They went in and took the tour. I ran into them again shortly before noon. In the center aisle of the nave, and they saw me and came walking right over, and they said, "What time is the first tour of the afternoon?" And I said, "One o'clock. Why? you going back to get grandma?" <laughs> <laughs> and they all just glowed. They went, "Yes. This is so not like what she was expecting. And they went on, it was for me, and it's funny, because I can even get emotional telling the story, because it's so real, that that first they, somebody said, it's so warm, and I said, and you're not referring to the ambient room temperature, and they went, no, 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 it's like a hug, and That is the most important story um, of being a greeter and a hospitality person at Washington National Cathedral for me, that people who know the rest of the family can walk in and palpably feel how alive Washington National Cathedral is. That's the story.
0: I love that story. I've heard it before, but it's such a good one. And it's so, it rings so true to me of my experience with the building as well as somebody who didn't necessarily have a lot of familiarity with cathedrals or big churches or anything like that. And just feeling like that sense of connectedness despite that, yeah, it rings really true, I think. Yeah. So my last question for you is, what are you most excited to go back to when the building reopens and where post closure
1: the building. It's my best friend. I mean, I know it's a church and there are all kinds of people involved in having that wonderful church deliver everything that it does to people. But for me, it's the building. Being separated from it is hard. Um, I have often said, it's my best friend. It never let me down. If you gave me a thumbtack and a globe, And said, stick that thumbtack in your favorite place on this planet. Not only would it be on the grounds of Washington National Cathedral, I can very specifically say it would be outside on the east end looking up at the flying buttresses is my favorite place on the planet.
0: I love that. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time today. I think you're a wonderful first guest because of your love of the cathedral, both the building and the people. And I really hope that this podcast allows people to get a sense of, just like you, all the people who call this cathedral home in some way and spend their days trying to make it home for other people too.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to do it. I'm looking forward to hearing more.
0: Same. Well, thank you so much and have a good rest of your day, okay? You too. Thanks again to Andy, and thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the first ever episode of Tower Talks from Washington National Cathedral. It has been a pleasure to keep up to date on what the cathedral is doing during our closure. The best place to check out is www.cathedral.org. All of the updates are going to be right there. We have a portal giving you direct access to all of the things that we are doing while the building is closed. We are so happy to be able to connect with you in this way, and tune in next time.